So anyway, that's why they call me Horny Jacob. Hello everyone and welcome to Podquisition. I'm your humble host, Horny Jacob, uh, otherwise known as Jim fucking Sterling's son. And I'm joined by my effervescent host. It's been a while since I've referred to you as effervescent, but hello I know, there. I was beginning. I was beginning to worry that I, I no longer fizz when put in the bath. Yeah, that's... It's still a wonderful image. Um, I didn't mean to say that in a creepy way. I just thought it was funny, the idea of someone in a bath and the water all like fizzing like Alka-Seltzer. I wasn't wasn't imagining you in the... How are you, Jim? uh, There are other ways you can do that other than being effervescent. Jim, Jim, you can picture me in the bath anytime you like. You have free reign to picture that. There you go. There's there's your permission for Brilliant. all the internet to hear. Brilliant. Okay, done deal. That's that's sealed that. That's a verbal agreement. Uh, how are you doing? Ah, uh, I am I am all over the place. This has been a heck of a week this heck week. Of I've, a week. I've done a, I have done a lot of things since we last recorded Podquisition. Yeah, yeah, honestly, like, like I can't believe, like, we record on Wednesdays and I can't believe it's <laughs> Wednesday morning for me because, yeah, it, it feels like it should be the weekend already. And that's just me with the ups and downs I've had with the, the Jimquisition that upset some third-party individuals <laughs> and then the Hellblade thing that we'll talk about. But y- you had all manner of hectic stuff and a big life change. Uh, we will get to that in a second. I would just, yeah. let's get Gav done. See, I'm on the ball. I, I'm, I'm I was, I was staying stum. I'm a podcast. I was eagle. keeping silent and observing silently. <laughs> so, Gavin, hello. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm very good. I was just going to say, there's uh, other ways of uh, causing the bath to fizz. You could just like eat a bunch of baked beans before you get in. Ah, uh, classic. What what kids would use for jacuzzis if they were poor, like my Japu- family was. Jacuzzis. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice jacuzzis. Um, I mean, that does imply that I, I, I also shit in the bath. Um, <laughs> That's the problem with taking a bath, is your shit gets all in the water or whatever that reference was from Condis. <laughs> Wasn't that something ago. you heard in a pub? Or, yeah, yeah. Am I someone, remembering in, that someone right? in the pub that didn't want to take baths, they wanted showers instead because all your shit floats in the water. <laughs> yeah, You know, you I could just try pub. wiping your ass once in yeah, a while that, and then that wouldn't that be a problem. Pub, that pub was a terrible place to try and like conduct mm. business from as like a person that needed the internet and quietness to do work. But I will forever miss the pub like the drunk people in the pub stories. Yeah. I know this is my fault now, but damn it, we are now that old uh, label someone once called us fecal obsessed podquisition hosts. It it hasn't been something <laughs> applicable for a long time now, but I have just dragged us back down to that, haven't I? I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I like in this business you you need to stand out and very few video game podcasts are obsessed with shit. So if if that's what you're looking for in a podcast, like leave a review on iTunes. Uh f- leave a five-star review if you, I don't want well I don't want to influence you. I don't know. But... Doesn't doesn't um doesn't fucking Alex Jones do a podcast? I mean he's obsessed with shit. Yeah, that is true. But but then he doesn't talk about video games. In fact, he hates them. So we're more or less the anti-Alex Jones. Uh, that's interesting that he hates video games. I never knew that. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I mean, he thinks... He's like, he do- he he's doesn't like an like old-school Fox Newser. 
Yeah. Are video games turning the freaking frogs gay? Is is it another one of those situations? Probably. Like I, he look at him. He hates video games. He hates anything good. Fun. Yeah, anything fun, <laughs> anything good. He just likes to sweat and be angry, which is one thing I have in common with Alex Jones. Um, but I don't think that human beings are demons when I don't like them, as in literal <laughs> devils. <laughs> Unless you subscribe to the idea that demons and devils are different things, in which case I apologise for my Metaphor- erroneous statement speaking. there. Um, but anyway, on to... On to I- Oh yeah, I was just saying. I, oh, right. I was seeing a tweet being uh, put around this week um, with lots of re- retweets saying, uh, "Podcasts don't talk shite for like ten minutes before you start talking about your topic." And I was like, "I hope they never listen to our one." I I totally disagree with that advice because I'm on a number of podcasts, and this is the one that takes the longest to get to the point of the title of the show, and it's also the one that does the best traffic. So like. Com- my my evidence would say fuck that. Just just never talk about the titles. Never I mean, do I would it. say this. Pod- talk about them three or four episodes later. What the fuck is a computer game? I would say this, right? Podcast listeners don't listen to podcasts where they say and do things you don't like. How about that? It that yeah. that would be a compromise. Like, here's the compromise. I will keep doing exactly the same thing and you change your habits. And I think that's a nice middle ground that we're at there. So, on to the important, the the biggest gaming story of the week. The big news of the week. The big news of the week is Laura's done got a different job now. That's why we didn't talk about (laughs) um, Patreon and stuff last week. Some people did notice um, the the slight omission of that. Um, But you don't have to make the changes. You have sold out your indie roots and your band is now signed to uh, Universal Music. You're going to have number, number one hits and soon you'll make your black album and, and you won't be metal anymore. Yeah. I totally sold out to the man. Um, yeah, no, this is a thing that's been like kind of in the works for a little while and I never thought it was going to happen. And now... Yeah, I'm news editor at Kotaku UK, which is kind of crazy. Um, And as a result of that, like, most of my work is still happening. Like, I saw a lot of people asking about Podquisition. Still doing Podquisition. Still doing the Steven Universe podcast I do every week, the Crystal Podcast. Still doing my D&D podcast, Dice Funk. It just means that, like, when I write a lengthy feature about, like, dating hot dads and how much I like all of their butts, it'll be on Kotaku UK rather than Let's Play Video Games. And I don't have a Patreon anymore, which is like a thing that happened and was a terrifying move, but I did it. And and now I'm one of them people that like is an editor at one of them big, big old sites. Laura, question for you. Um, when you say Kotaku UK, do they do cross content with the US site? Like, would your articles go up there as well, or do they have two uh, completely different? The the short version, and I've explained this to a few people this week. Um, oh. Kotaku and Kotaku UK are owned by two different publishers. Um, oh wow! Yeah, there is there is occasional crossover of content. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the UK site will take content from the US team and post it on the US feed uh, the UK feed yeah. sometimes the the same happens in reverse but where do the social pretty... media accounts tweet out each other's uh, stuff 
or is uh, it not within the again interest? occasionally but it's yeah. we wherever possible try to stick to the content that our specific team has done oh, that's so interesting. I yeah never knew that, it's no. Yeah, it's mainly just a team of currently uh, me and Rich Stanton, and uh, give it another month or so. No relation. Rich Stanton will be, not no relation. Uh, we'll be going, and I'll be working with Kaza McDonald, and it'll just be like me and Kaza doing a bunch of like articles about butts and stuff, and it'll be great. Yeah, like I- I've known cool. Rich for a, a while, and um, I don't know Kaza all that well, but but we have. Uh, talks here and there uh both lovely people so i was thrilled i was thrilled i was like well, i mean i was confident you'd, you'd get it when you mentioned it because i mean your track record the past year alone is like it's it's been impressive as hell uh but then knowing that that rich and Kesa were there as well i was like well that that's such a perfect fit so I'm looking forward to seeing how that that dynamic all all comes through and works. Yeah, it's 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 been a lot of fun. Like the first few days have been a lot of very overwhelming. Oh my goodness, I have to learn to do so many things. <laughs> um you know, a little bit of a little bit of a learning curve like when I can't just like roll out of bed mm-hmm. as and when I feel like oh, it. Sure, but yeah. also also it's nice that I have weekends now. And like I get to like five o'clock in the afternoon mm. and my work day is done. Yeah, and, and I can and just like you know what, Laura, not do anything if I want. <laughs> I I totally hear you on that. The kind of roll out of bed whenever you want. But if there's one thing I found from this year after putting a routine in place, so good for your mental health to have oh, that routine can... and that every day certain time and and to yeah. see that daylight. Do you know? Yeah. Just from my point of view, anyway. No, my, my, I I, I totally get you. Like the last yeah. uh, since about since probably the beginning of January, I've been trying to get myself sort of up and out of bed nine a.m. every day, and that was going well. But the problem I had was I could get myself up at a regular routine time. Stopping myself working was the problem because, like, I I talked a bit about this in my sort of goodbye post about Patreon. I am very obsessive with the way that I work and. Pair that with Patreon, where the people consuming my content are the same people I'm creating for. I got really, 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 really bad at ever switching off, and I felt really bad if I ever took time off. And, like, I've I've talked about this a bit. I mm. legitimately feel like the best thing to do for both the quality of my work going forward and my own sort of mental health going forward is to work as part of a team and have a nine to five schedule where like I finish the day and my day is done. Yeah. Even, even like it's, it's, it's much harder to do when you're self-employed, but even when you are self-employed, it, I think it is a constructive thing for your life in general to have that routine. Not for everyone, obviously, but I've certainly found it. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't like, up never at four. Stop. I wasn't up at four a.m. <laughs> on the on the phone with with a guy from Metacritic, uh, trying to to do time zones do me. make it difficult, don't they? Um, yeah, I mean that can be yeah. Well, I, I think I think he's in America too. I think he was he's just up at those hours because because they they track embargoes and things and they they mm. manually look at, at sites and stuff. So so they were you, up and and that was a yeah. whole thing. But uh, yeah yeah, me and schedules don't don't go well together. Um, even when it was my job as reviews editor of Destructoid, yeah. um, I was just like, "Yeah, schedule's in my head." Um, and then um, Maurice, who used to work there, yeah. and, and I think went on to 
uh, he's like in like deep silver Europe or somewhere somewhere like that. Um, tried to force me to use a schedule and, and forced me <laughs> to be in a, a spreadsheet. Um, and that worked until he left. <laughs> I I absolutely love routine and like on a similar note, talking about like I'm sure at some point me and Jim are both going to end up talking quite a lot about Hellblade today. Uh, I also had some some stuff that went on while trying to cover Hellblade, and I hit like five thirty and was just nope, done with that. And in a way, I got to know, walk. Oh, that's nice. And that was know, so nice. Do you know what I think is great about a routine, and it's something mm. that I'd forgotten until this year, is that when you start a routine, it helps you to make other positive things habitual. So, for example, you're like. I'll get up now, walk my girlfriend to the bus, get some fresh air in the morning. I'd never go outside otherwise. Then it like comes 12 o'clock and like before I have my coffee. Oh, it's time for my little run on the cross trainer now. Whereas when I when you're waking up at like two or three, you're like kind of floating around and yeah, I'll do some work at whatever this time or that time. But I do find when you have a certain plan you're following every day, things become habitual much easier. Good things, (laughs) you know. I still don't know oh what you all are talking about. Um, <laughs> I, I, some, sometimes I, I want to watch an episode of an Alo Alo at one twenty three p.m. and I will have to go and do that. And that won't be well, in a schedule. That'll just happen. That'll just occur. And then I will hear Yvette go, "Oh, Renee!" And, and it will here's, excite here's, me here's, with its humor, familiar humor. Here's the, here's the secret. Sometimes while I'm writing, I'll have something on as well, and I will watch something while I'm writing. Oh, a that's thing. Oh, oh, I don't know. How, I, I don't know how you do that. I used to be able to. I used to be unable to do writing without music, and. Then at some point in my life, uh, in in when I was older, it, a switch got flipped and the opposite became true, and yeah. I couldn't write if I was listening to music. And it's an eternal sadness for me because I used to love writing with the music going. And right, I writing try it with now music going, when you're a musician, songwriter, <laughs> and producer, it's like trying to <laughs> cook be... with. With like astrology charts in front of your face. <laughs> yeah, I can. Well, I mean, like even to boil the analogy down, like I can only imagine that's like trying to count while someone else is counting from a, yeah. like, a different yeah. start point. Like, yeah. I, ugh. Yeah. But trying to do anything for me, like even if 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 I'm at a party and there's music on, I'm like listening and dissecting mixed fucking ah, like right, snare yeah. drum frequencies in my head. <laughs> I, I, I am. <sighs> sort of stuck in a position halfway between your two states at the moment, Jim, where working at home on Patreon every day did my work listening to music, you know, something on in the background all the time. I now have one day a week where I'm actually in an office, like a physical office with other people, Mm. and I have to, like, do my work without listening to music. So I'm now, like, one day a week, no music, four days a week, yes music. And I don't know how my brain's gonna gonna feel about that. We'll we'll see what happens. Well, good luck with that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird doing that job in an office environment. I've not had to do it often. Uh, I did it for a week at Destructoid when I was um, visiting uh, Nero in Miami, and that was that was before they moved to San Francisco. And the first. One of my first weeks at The Escapist when the PS4 came out because they were late with my one. So I went to North Carolina and uh, 
use their office to to work in and and do all that. And it's so odd to me because I'm so not used to doing what I do with eyes on me. And it felt very, very bizarre. Um, it It is a weird, surreal feeling being like, oh, hello, my professional peers. Let's sit down and collaborate on a thing together. It's, mm. I really like it. Like, I've only done one day in the office so far, and I really like being able to talk rather than type in, like, a shared chat window while collaborating on something. Oh, sure. I mean, that that's one thing I've noticed uh, now that I have... Uh, Justin, who's local, doing video editing and, and helping with the graphic design and all that kind of stuff, is being able to meet face-to-face. Like, we're still constantly updating on, on what's going on on, like, Messenger and stuff, but when when we have an idea that needs real explaining, nothing really beats a face-to-face meeting on that, you know? Cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, it's, it's gonna be. Wow, a we're weird we're all waiting yeah. for each other to speak this week. This is this yeah. is unprecedented. Yeah, that that well, that gap of silence felt like a thousand years to me. Yeah, yeah that's you the know longest why... silence ever on Podquisition. Yeah, I, I was like, did yeah. I just say something like like offensive? Did like, did that, I accidentally space... say something no. racist? You that was why... the space before the hidden track comes in. Yeah. You know why I was quiet? Because I'm now, you know, a professional that works with other professionals and I have to, you know, t- take my time and know when's oh. the appropriate point to jump into group conversations because management <laughs> we'll, synergy. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't really see, do hidden tracks anymore, though, can you, Gav? No, like, not they, really. They don't really not, exist not current, uh, Yeah, not in the digital type, world. No. Like, even if you tried to tack it on the end of another song. Like your your iTunes or Spotify or what have you would yeah. would show the track as being an hour long and you're like, but it's a three minute I think, song. I think hidden little things at the end now tend to be a snippet, a hidden bit at the end of a song or a video rather than at the end of an album. And I think yeah. that it, in in some ways is a wonderful metaphor for our attention spans nowadays. <laughs> hey, in this yeah. yeah, in this Twitter world, right? Oh, whoa, social media's destroying attention spans. <laughs> Fucking millennials. That's a hot take. Millennials, Fuck millennials. millennials destroying Fuck. the golf cart industry because twenty mm-hmm. somethings with their iPhones and their liberal arts <laughs> degrees, their PhDs yeah. at twenty. Millennials killed the hidden track. Uh, yeah, but no, like. If, like, if, just... if imagine if if Nevermind came out like now, it wouldn't have like whatever that fucking was it an endless nameless hidden track at the end of it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, but you I, know what? Like, like, like you what? wouldn't have right if these millennials were around. Right, you wouldn't have had Sergeant Pepper's Doctor, Lonely Hearts Club, Doctor Hospital. Right, that classic album where they're all dressed up in their stupid suits on the cover. Right, endlessly looping with the record at the end, where yeah. there's this crowd noise and it loops forever. A friend of mine from college um, and I took turns pretending to be dead, letting that play forever, and the other one would walk in to see what that looked like because we thought it would look very creepy to have that where it's going ah ha 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 ah ha 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 over and over again, and walking in on someone who's who died listening to Sergeant Doctor Pepper's Lonely Doctor. Pepper Band, and yeah. 
like, like the Joker, dying with that going forever. Like it, it, that would scare me, and it did. It worked when we did. Millennials it. wouldn't get to that point of the album anyway because a day in the no. life is five minutes long, which is one minute longer than the average time it takes to eat a piece of avocado toast. Well, we already have proof of that. We already have proof of that. Those those liberal arts degrees, millennials, because they couldn't stand the LP because you have to stand up to go over to the turntable and turn it over. And they're like, oh, this vinyl record is so heavy. So millennials came along in the 1990s and fucking invented cassettes and the Sony Walkman so they didn't have to bother with fucking turning over LPs. Thanks, millennials. You ruined yeah, Dr. Thanks, Pepper. Millennials. Thanks, millennials, for the hours I spent like trying to reel broken cassette tapes back in. With a biro. Yeah, yeah. There, there was an oil shortage in the 80s. They struggled to get vinyl for their LPs. And then you come <laughs> along with your compact discs and your VHS tapes. <laughs> so, yeah, and your in gramophones. Some, in summary, I'm quite enjoying my new, new job at Kotaku. Listening to music pressed on wax. How dare you? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, like legitimately I am enjoying having like a team to work with in person, mm-hmm. like a dedicated full-time team to work with. And I am enjoying some of the, th- I've got some cool things in the works that I don't think would have happened and I would have been put able to put together by myself. So I'm hoping that people continue to follow my content because I'm hoping this is a new era for things what I make. Well, people seemed excited for it. Um, uh, certainly, the established readers on on Kotaku K, as I like to call it, to be trendy, yeah. uh, they they seemed pretty hyped for it, and you seem to have settled in, and and so yes, very exciting. Anyway, do you want to talk about that game that gave you hell this week, Jim? <laughs> um, not particularly, but I have to. Um, Hellblade. <laughs> it's fine. When when you're done with Hellblade, I also have Hellblade yeah. thoughts. So we'll we'll all have a rant about Hellblade. Yeah. Okay. So Hellblade, send you a sacrifice. I can't beat it. Um, I got a little bit of vindication this morning when it turned out that the bug that people created, even in the updated review, people were still, oh man, you're so dumb for thinking that a bug is that bad. Um, just replay it. It's not that bad. Um, and you're the only one who's ever going to run into this because it's so specific. Uh, but it turns out, no, uh, it is quite easy to trigger, apparently, because some people have got, like, like, I know on the Steam forum someone's asked about it. Someone on Twitter this morning was like, hey, so even though I was keeping an eye out for that exact spot, I missed the torch by accident, and then I was boned, and they they couldn't get anywhere. So I encountered this bug. I love the game. By the way, um, if you've seen the review, uh, not read anymore, if you've seen the review, uh, then you'll know that I had a lot of praise about the game because I think it's um, really, from an atmospheric point of view, uh, how they made it unnerving and creepy and disturbing while still, like, like, while not going tacky. Like, the character suffers from psychosis, but they've not gone... Like, oh, they're having wacky conversations with a variety of bizarre imaginary characters. Um, It's actually... Like, I've seen art pieces put together uh, by uh, people with psychosis to try and communicate how they feel. 
and this game feels a lot like that yeah. with the, the 3D I... audio and the whispering and the, the the critical voices constantly. I've been curious about this because my brother had um, psychotic hallucinations where he thought people were talking to him, and I saw that this was going to be in the game, and I was like, oh. This could make me really cringe if they do it badly. Right, but that was the fear, yeah. Um, yeah. But but I, to my great surprise, it it feels very well implemented and respectfully implemented, and they've mm. used it not just as a gimmick um, because one of the voices, because you know the voices have conversations and are talking about her as 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 she tends to imagine um, and in doing so they provide narrative elements and backstory because they're having a conversation about her behind her back and therefore explaining why she is where she is and what she's doing uh, so th the way that's woven into the plot is it, there's an elegance to that um and, and i would I, imagine given the the um the developer in question i'd imagine it's got good voice acting right Oh, absolutely, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah. Like, like all of the the voiced characters are what you would expect from mm. from Ninja Theory, who have done, of course, uh, Heavenly Sword, which as a game was not fantastic, but as squashed all together as a movie is just incredibly performed and animated and then likewise the dialogue is wonderful odyssey to um, the west that was beautifully acted as well yeah enslaved that to me was more of a total package because i just i loved that one through and through yeah. gorgeous game and i wish it had done better i mean that that was ninja theory's great tragedy is every game they made in some way was kind of fucked so you've got enslaved with namco bandai that just didn't go anywhere and you've got DMC, which I thought was a very good game, um, and also they they went hell for leather with their production value as they always do. But of course, the, there was the the whole fan outcry thing and the controversy with with Dante and whatnot. So they've always had this kind of every game has been of a quality, but there's been some baggage there. And this going alone, I had such hope for them and i i still do uh it's just a shame that that there's some areas apparently there are some other game breaking uh bugs that i never encountered but but there, there's just that little bit of technical spottiness that that is really sort of fucking some people over that is it seems patchable i mean it's a great relief to me that the issue i had was replicated because it means there's a far better chance of that getting patched. So fingers crossed there. But, um, you know, I, I really respect the the model they've got behind this, that whole... I hate the name Indie AAA. I think that's a terrible buzz term. I mean, I don't even like AAA as a thing. But their aim to be the midpoint of saying, like, we're doing this on our own as an independent effort, but we're giving it... Instead um, of Indie AAA, they budget. should just pronounce it India. India. Um, someone, uh, someone on uh, the YouTube comments suggested Double A. Um, so then we've got two battery sets, uh, which would be nice. But that that gives AAA legitimacy, and I like to say AAA with a sneer in my voice. Um, but anyway, I, I am a big fan of what they tried to do there. Or, well, not what they tried to do, what they've succeeded to do there. Sort of give you that 30, it's a $30 game. So, 
but did, they want to give uh, it the sorry did uh am i right in hearing through the grapevine you gave this a one out of ten <laughs> Temporarily, <laughs> temporarily. That that was the okay. big um, thing because I hit that game breaking bug and I was so fucking angry. <laughs> and it it wasn't just like usual anger at oh a game that that I've been making a lot of progress in that I've been playing for many hours has just fucked me over and I can't get any further. Like there's normal anger there. On top of that was that respect I had for the business model, my desire, especially as I was playing it, it was getting better and better as a game. And I was thinking, right, there's a Jimquisition topic in this because they've nailed it. This game is doing that thing they said they wanted to do of giving you the feel and flavour and importance of a big budget game, but without the big bloated budget. Like, this is great. I want to... Talk, oh, fuck, now I can't play anymore. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. One out of ten writing off this shit. How dare they? Um, and and it, it wasn't the, the greatest call I've ever made. Um, and, and I carried that through to posting the review in its initial form. And then after, like, uh, an hour or two of, of discussion and debate and, and rethinking and, and sobering up, and I, I was just like, you know what? Fuck. Fuck. That's that's no, that's no, that's probably not a good idea. A tad excessive, I think I maybe. need to rethink this. So I, I I ended up sleeping on it. Um although I didn't get to sleep until like six AM because of like the embargo was up at two AM and I was up to, to keep an eye on that and thank heavens I was. Um and then I, I, I spoke to Metacritic because they'd already put the score up and I was like, mm, I know you don't normally retract things, but let me explain the circumstance. And they wanted to talk to me. And this is to, to Metacritic's credit. Like people write that site off and I guess and I've, I've often defended them specifically because of the interactions I've had with them uh, that tell me that they are very much on the level and very committed to being as open as possible. So the reason they wanted to speak to me in per, like hear my voice and everything beforehand, because they just wanted to be like, has, has anyone got to you on this? <laughs> like, is there external pressure here uh, from publishers or from, you know, developers or from, you know, some exterior force. And, and I was explaining to them the situation and why I felt I made the, the call wrong and and so they understood them and made that, that that retraction that is really reassuring like that's really nice to hear that mm -hmm. they kind of want to have reviewers backs in that situation yeah yeah i mean their nice. policy has generally i say generally i mean it's always been like the score you put up is the score we're going to publish and that was often for things like with Polygon, where they will change a score over time as it updates. But, Met but Metacritic's very much like, you know, we're going to stick with the first one. And I think that's fair in that case. But, you know, sometimes there are exceptional circumstances. And certainly for me, this was unprecedented. I've never played a game that was getting better and better and became unplayable, like became unwinnable for me. For a mistake that, you know, wasn't, there out of laziness it was just you know no one else who reviewed it saw this it was a terrible fucking luck i missed a a, a thing and the game auto saved and i couldn't get the thing anymore 
and I was fucked. And that it was just unique enough to where it's only hit a very select few people and fingers crossed fewer than it would now that the information of how to avoid it is out there. And if you are playing it and you're concerned, um, this is a spoiler-free explanation. There, there's a waterfall, it's coming through a tunnel, and it'll put your torch out and like darkness will seep in and try and kill you and you've got to run. Now, if you're like me and you panic a lot, you will miss the fact that there is a torch directly ahead of you to relight the torch you're holding. Do not skip that bit. So be on the lookout for that the moment waterfall, like a, a screen of water puts your torch out like you're in Tomb Raider or something. Be on the lookout for that torch because if you miss it, then the game is done. There's your permadeath for you. There's your I, save file I think, fucked. I, sometimes I think that um, games developers would do well that in their playtesting phase to get in people who are like that, who are like us, who might not like be the most idiots skilled gamers. like me. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> I said like no, no, us. No, no, seriously. Like, like, <laughs> like me too. I'm terrible at games. Like I will help you foolproof your game by being the big fucking fool that I am. And and I'll find ways to annihilate your game. Um, like, better than any professional playtester, because at this point, they're probably quite good at their jobs. And you need someone terrible at their job like me, because I'll find ways of breaking it no human being should find. Um, but but anyway, back back to the serious point. You know, I, I slept on it, rethought it, came to, to what I think was a compromise... Uh, the final version of the review um, is up on the YouTube channel and on the Jimquisition site. Go wa- watch that. Uh, and and as far as talking about my review of it and my you know further criticism of it as a game, I think I'm sort of done with that for a bit. Because even though it's only Wednesday morning, like I say, I, I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, uh, well... I woke up and saw Jim in my mentions and then saw something about scores. I was like, oh, what's he done now? <laughs> I, I was having a similarly stressful yes. day yesterday when this was going on for very different reasons. Well, we so were talking sh- and and we both came to the conclusion that, that we think Hellblade itself as a game is cursed. Like we're victims uh, of a curse here, people. I, I'm Come pretty on. sure that like the whole deal with with um with Hellblade is that it's it, it's trying to inflict permadeath upon the people who play it. <laughs> on, like, on not not okay. play a character, but you, the actual human. Okay, what is this about? Because this now, to me, when I heard that was a real turn off. Okay, now okay. before mm. we do this, let's preface it somewhat spoilers because i know some people were a bit upset that headlines led with this so if you are if you don't want to know anything about the quote-unquote permadeath situation with hellblade like two minutes ahead yeah like like, yeah we'll briefly well i'll let laura briefly explain and you skip ahead a a couple of minutes yeah skip ahead a couple of minutes so the short version is this game came out and there were no pre-release reviews one of the things that happens about 20 minutes into the game is the game explicitly tells you if you die too many times your character will be gone your save is completely gone start over from the beginning it explicitly tells you this um I, being a news writer, was basically like, oh, the internet is up in arms about the fact that like, there is permadeath in this game, and permadeath was not advertised as a part of and this game. And they were. Like, it was a yeah. huge discussion, like, uh, like to the yeah. point where 
some people didn't even notice I gave it a one out of ten. Like that's how big the discussion yeah, was on social media. It's the kind of thing where like people were like, I bought this game and found out after purchasing it that my save might get deleted if I die too many times. I personally wouldn't have purchased it had I known that because that's not the kind of game I'm looking for, which is an understandable perspective. Yeah. So, I, you know, we boot up the game at Kotaku UK, take a look at it, 20 minutes in, the game says, yep, if you die too many times, you, you, your game's over, start from the beginning. So we write up coverage, being like, hey, look, this is the situation. People are understandably kind of pissed off because they weren't warned in advance that uh, before purchasing this game that had no pre-release reviews that there was permadeath in it. Turns out there's no permadeath in it. It's, it's a thematic lie that the game tells you because the game is about trying to make you paranoid and afraid and that sort of... Fear and paranoia is something your ca- your player character's meant to feel. So it's and a meta, is it? Yeah, it's well, a meta thing. Then they, again, they... like it got even more complex than that because oh, this is yeah. Hellblade and it's cursed. <laughs> yeah, so like it it gets more and more complicated, but that's the gist of it. Is the nightmare situation was internet is shouting about wait we bought this game and we're told twenty minutes in it has permadeath and PR never told us. Sites going. Look, we booted it up, we checked, it does seem that this game has permadeath, let's, you know, write our thoughts about it. And then later in the day, the site's realising, oh, the game explicitly lies about its mechanics for for thematic reasons. This is a big clusterfuck to deal with now. Yeah. And (laughs) even then, like, when people talk about that side of it, um, that, like, it's, because I want to make sure that that it's, it's, explained like it's not that it it's a full lie like it's it's a deliberate misleading but there is a sort of permadeathy thing but like you've got a really yeah. really really fucking try to do it like yeah. bear in mind the amount of times i died experimenting to try and get out of that glitch i was in where like i couldn't move forward or back without dying like Death, 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 death. Yeah, it wasn't the, happening. No, the get the game at the very least drastically misleads as to the severity of its own claims. Is it yeah. a difficult game? It's. Some people have said it is, but like I, I've in my time with it found it pretty easy. Like I haven't died much at all. So like, yeah. would it be around it's got the same scalable as difficulty? That there's um I, I don't know like it's a little more intense than that um the the real difficulty in combat at least is like the claustrophobia of it because the camera tightens in on you and whoever Senua is is facing and ready to fight which does mean enemies can attack from off screen and you've got to like be really aware because voices like the voices that Senua hears will say things like behind you and that's when you think like fuck I've got to dodge so it's like you've got to be really aware in combat but yeah. the the game's pretty forgiving like you know you'll get knocked down and you'll get a chance to get up and and regain your footing um so even though every combat felt tense and felt brutal and sometimes like exhausting um, in a good way, like just, just a, wow, that was a real skin of the teeth thing. Mechanically, you don't feel like you're in too great a danger of dying. Okay. Um, so it's no, it's no, it's no bloodborne then. Oh no, no, no. Um, In terms of, of like 
presence and design. Some of the fights um, do have a sort of bloodborne feel to them. There's a particular bus that I saw. I forget where I saw the discussion, maybe on NeoGAF, uh, where they were describing um, one of the, the first two bosses. You can choose to tackle them in, in any order. Um, but one of the first two bosses looked and behaved like a bloodborne boss. Uh, as it comes at you out of the fog and has this sort of crow-like appearance. And and there are several areas that have that sort of really, like like what I've always called beautiful bleakness, where it looks all grey and dour, but there's mm. such artistry and architecture going on that mm. it still looks gorgeous in a really drab fashion, and it, it nails that. Like, visually, you could compare it to uh, the, the visual design that From Software seems to really like. Um, so yeah, 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 that's, uh, that's all good. But, but yeah, as far as like, like now that we're sort of past the, the spoiler territory, I'll say what I said in my review, which is if the permadeath thing sounds like it's going to turn you off or if it has turned you off, like, don't worry about it. Like it's, okay. it's such it, a it thing. It's was, not uh, to be bothered about. Like you'll it, be it, fine. It's forgiving as, as hell, even with what it it's a it's more of a toothless threat than something you've got to panic yeah. about what what i will once again say is like this is kind of in my opinion this kind of lies on ninja theory's feet is that if you put out a game without having pre-release reviews available and have 20 minutes into your game it it say that there's a certain feature in in the game Gonna You're going to have people respond out, on launch day to that being a feature, whether it is or not. Yeah. So, and, and I should yeah. say as well, like, I I certainly didn't know that it, you know, that, that things weren't quite as they seemed because, like, I was doing well at the game. <laughs> you know, I died, like, before the, the big glitching, uh, like, two or three times. Uh, and mm. not even once in combat, like it was all to um, like like some of the the puzzle elements that have death as a fail condition. Um, so so playing it, like I had no way of assessing how legit things are or what things mean uh, mm. when you know it's like, like, sorry. I was just going to say how funny it is. This game, I mean, I'd heard nothing about it until two days ago, and now it's just. <laughs> It exploded. All, I, huh? all I'm hearing about it's crazy. I I didn't even know it was coming out. Like as a fan uh, of Ninja Theory, I I I rem- remember it being announced. I I saw it being announced, and I I saw the stories on that. And I follow Ninja Theory on Twitter, so every now and then I'd see an update. But no, it was really quiet to the point where even someone who follows them on Twitter and everything, I largely forgotten about it until they hit me up about review codes. Uh, and and then I was like, oh shit, that's out soon. Fuck yeah, I'm I I was really looking forward to that. Um, and, and so it was interesting just to see the sudden explosion of public interest. And, and I think yeah. that just shows. I you mean, the... it's it's literally a Twitter moment. This game. <laughs> well, you yeah, know, I mean, Twitter like... does those moments where there's like a bunch of slides and stuff. Yeah. Like the response to how good this game is is uh, is one of those. Yeah, and I think it helped that it had a sort of just a a cult following at the beginning where people, clearly fans of Ninja Theory's work, were just really excited about their, the, the moves they were making with this. Uh, and yeah. again, like, as a product, I am immensely pleased with, with what they're attempting to 
to establish as a new tier in game development because I think game development so fucking needs it. Um, like I've heard from publishers. Um, I mean, Cliff Blazinski, I believe, went went on record as saying like he wrote it in a uh, a column on op-ed once that the the major game industry just sees two types of games: your massively expensive, huge gamble, triple A prospects, and your small, humble indie games. And the idea of stuff in between, uh, like like we had with the PS2 back in the day, where there was like all sorts of weirdo games in between, um, like they, that kind of died down. And this is an opportunity to have those weirdo games back at $30, which again, like tiered pricing so that we don't have this constant everything, everything that isn't proper little indie is 60 bucks. Like we so needed pricing more flexible than that. So I'm really excited about the prospects of this game and what it could lead to. And I really hope that there are other developers out there that have accrued some pedigree and career that are just sick of the shit of major publishers that have enough capital to do the same thing. I hope there are more, and I hope that they're inspired by this, because I think that would lead to a very, very, very fucking good time for games. Cool. So there's a preview of a Jimquisition. I'm going to have to re-listen to this one and and get it dictated. (laughs) Um yeah, so that that was the whole thing with that. Like What you were saying, Gavin, about not realising this game was coming out... A part of me does wonder how much how much of this was deliberate on the part of Ninja Theory because not responding to the confusion on Twitter just kept people talking and kept a game that otherwise might quiet. have. It's a game that might have flown under the radar if not for the fact that it blew up once and then when it turned out that like you know something might not be the case that people thought it was it blew up again on social media and maybe that was something deliberate perhaps yeah possibly i mean yeah i mean i i i i I wouldn't want to ascribe motives um but they are being very mysterious so i wouldn't blame anyone for ascribing motives i always say that like in the absence of people providing the information, people are going to fill the, the void, you know? Um, I've, I've had to do it on Jimquisitions with certain companies where they refuse to acknowledge something. So I can only use the rumours I have and be like, look, this is the best I've got. Like, you know, clearly acknowledging it's a rumour. But, you know, if you're going to be that... Like, it was like with the No Man's Sky thing when that came out and, and Hello Games got really, really quiet. It was like people... That, that would fill in the blanks themselves. And I don't know if that, like, that might be something deliberate. Like, there's some, like, the way they've gone so quiet. Like, are they trying to be mysterious now that their mysterious game is out? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, it's odd that, some, like, it launched. They obviously tweeted out that and tweeted out a bit of, uh, you know, retweeted a bit of praise and that. And then just quiet. Just. Whistling in the wind. Uh, On on that topic, we do have a piece of news about No Man's Sky today. Should we should we jump to that for a minute? Oh yes, let's please. Okay, so No Man's Sky. uh, At the day of recording this, No Man's Sky has been out for exactly a year. It came out a year ago today, and as such, there's been a big ARG going on. And we got to the end of it, and we found out what the big update for No Man's Sky was going to be. And the big the big update to celebrate one year of No Man's Sky is 
portals. And these portals were meant to be a feature at launch. They were shown in trailers back in, I think it was December of 2015. So about like eight or nine months before the game came out, there was a trailer being like, hey, this is how these portals are going to function in No Man's Sky. And they physically exist in No Man's Sky. You could go to them. They just didn't do anything. And people spent like a year trying to work out how to activate these portals. And it turned out just, nope, that feature that we advertised as a launch feature of the game... We just hadn't switched it on yet, and now we have. Happy one year anniversary. Here's one of the things that we advertised as being in the game at launch. I think it's nice that all the people still playing No Man's Sky get this now, and I'm really happy for both of them. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And they still haven't met each other. (laughs) Well, no, they probably met each other in person outside of the game, going to the the fan meetup to talk about how much they like it. But Mm. if only they could meet in-game. Oh dear. Oh well, that's that's No Man's Sky for you. Um, I've still got one other Jimquisition I was going to do that was inspired by that game. Um, I've had it on the docket for ages. It's one of those ones that are sort of timeless because it's about just general design, so it doesn't have to be timely, which means it gets pushed back all the time. But yeah, I wanted to talk about its procedural generation. One day, one day, but not today because No Man's Sky is dreary. <laughs> It is It is a story that I don't think is going away anytime soon. No, um, no. What, what else but do we have? But it's probably never going to get yeah. any more exciting. Like, that's the thing about No Man's Sky. Like, the story will probably keep going on. And the story it'll just, will like, keep maintain being, the same pitch. like, uh, 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 yep. uh, It'll be that level of response forever. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, well, Godspeed. Yeah, there was a there was a Splatfest in Splatoon two this weekend. Um, <laughs> I that love I wanted, that name. I I know it's such a good name. I wanted to bring up the Splatfest that happened this last weekend just <laughs> because I think I think there's something interesting that came out of it. Um, the topic of this particular Splatoon competition weekend was ketchup versus mayonnaise, yeah. and. I don't know whether Nintendo were aware of this, but they took two very interesting colours to splash all over a room. Yeah. Sort of creamy white and red. And there was a lot of very interesting art turning up in the lobby for Splatoon as a result of spray your white stuff and or all of that red goo everywhere. It's like a scene out of fucking nice. Antichrist. Nice. Yeah, so... A, like, that was That was the... <laughs> placebo tour uh, uh, phrase wasn't it they're leaving a trail of blood and spunk across Europe yeah pretty much this was like spend an entire weekend does the title of this episode have to be a trail of blood and spunk (laughs) yes it does a a trail of blood and spunk Um, but like it's basically kids and adults it's basically the cover of load by Metallica (laughs) come come over here and throw your blood and spunk at the walls (laughs) the fun Um, kids game Splatoon (laughs) what I love about it is how innocent and cute and non-violent it is I know it's a family friendly shooter and it's on Online and competitive, but it's still family friendly. Oh, Nintendo! Oh. Uh, um, so we found out some stuff about uh, Shadow of War this week. Uh, um, oh dear. Th- there were two bits of news. First of all, we got the news that there's going to be like paid DLC for that game, and it's uh, you know, 
everyone was like, oh, it's okay. There's, you know, there's not like it's there's any online or anything that you would need to buy this for. Oh, and, but Warner Brothers, they oh, wouldn't let us down. Yeah, the, the game is also going to have ranked online combat. So you Utter can bullshit. spend real money on things to help you in ranked online matches Utter. of Shadow of War. You know, Utter if there's one bullshit. If there's one practice in games that I fucking despise at the moment, it's the one it's the ones that uh, exploit people with gambling tendencies. I just think mm-hmm. that's completely fucking vile. Oh and, yeah, like and like, utterly I'm... devalues it as an art form and as an entertainment medium. 100% in agreement, and, like, people wondered why I talked about Shelob instead of this with the Gymquisition on Monday. It's because this news hit sort of really late last week, and I'd already, I was already in production. But believe you me, Monday is coming. Like, that's, that's, they're the banner words of House fucking Sterling Sun. Monday is coming, and, oh, you are, like, you are so 100% fucking right on that like people and it's so, debate it's so, whether it's gambling because it's so you know, you're, you're not trying to win money but like no yeah, it is gambling it is gambling. you're gambling with your money for items and it absolutely has those psychological effects and fuck people fuck individuals who are in on that who think that's good and it's even more frustrating when it's in the sequel to what was actually a really good and lauded mm-hmm. game that probably did not need this bullshit in it to and be a, a success. Game I'm, a game I'm looking forward to still because I adored the first one. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I admired how all it took was a few original tweaks to turn a, a run-of-the-mill open-world game into something more interesting. Mm. And... All of the stuff that they're expanding upon with that, with the nemesis system and the fortresses yeah, and Yeah, this, this looks like the first one turned up to 11. Yeah, like it all of that great. looks good. Like, yeah. it, this may end up another, um, at least uh, from my perspective, another Overwatch situation for me where, you know, it's a great, fantastic game that I want to praise, but it's going to, you know, it's not going to be in line for any end-of-year honours because it's a fucking fee-to-pay game. But the fact that it sounds like it's not only fee-to-pay, but there are elements of pay-to-win as well. I mean, if any company was going to do it, it was going to be Warner Brothers, because they are the worst publisher these days that in actually, terms of um, acting like assholes. That was summed up so well in a tweet I saw by a friend today. They were showing, it was a picture of the new Mercy skin from Overwatch, and they're saying, I love this new Mercy skin. Oh, well, pity I'll probably never see it. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? I mean, fuck loot boxes. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, honestly. You know? like, like, loot boxes are scum. And people who think loot boxes, and I'm not talking about end users. I don't care about, you know, your personal tastes on that. Yeah, if you want to use them off you want, go. But... Who are profiting off them. Those ones who think they're good are scum. Trash, garbage, shit munchers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so from here, is this a good point for us to do something we promised we would do? And we're their hearts, their hearts are how Randy Orton looks when he's angry. Yeah, they need we... to go and listen to Bill Hicks's speech about advertisers and apply it to themselves. Should, should we do some questions? Yeah. They are everything Trent Reznor wrote about when he was sad. 
Listeners, <laughs> the, I'm the entire to, broken, I'm, the entire broken EP is about yeah, fucking the new boxes in Overwatch and Shadow of Mordor. Listeners, I'm trying. Every visual image that Trent Reznor conjured up in the '90s, that's them. Yeah. I promise you, I've been trying to do this for a while. <laughs> I'm trying. Happy, happiness and slavery is about all the money he spent on loot boxes. So, yep. first question this week from LZ777. What yes. would Telltale Games need to do to make us all interested in trying their games again? Uh, on gameplay. Something play. completely different. Yeah. I, for me, I think, I think the two things are, one, they need to try and introduce new mechanics into their choose-your-own-adventures. Yeah, that's, just... that's, Laura, that, I agree yeah. with you, and that's what I meant by fun gameplay. Yeah, that's fair. And the other thing I think that I got really... I have one big problem recently with Telltale Games that I think they need to get on top of, which is I played through Season 3 of The Walking Dead, and a bunch of Season 3 is told in flashbacks. And the problem is, when you do flashbacks, but you know that a character is like still alive in the not-flashback bit of the game you know that your choices aren't going to have any lasting impact. And as it such... It blows the... Like, it was yeah. always a, an illusion, but that really... That, that's it, seeing the strings on it, the puppet it show. Really Are they being away... a little bit meta there? A little bit self-referential? No, no, they're really not. Like, they're literally just doing things like, oh, this character will remember that. No, they won't. They're dead, like, at the end of this scene. <laughs> they're not going to remember it. And like, I think that just is... seems like they're doing it yeah. out of habit. Like, yeah, they're just I... following the blueprint. I think the problem is, is they have gotten into such a formula that it's really transparent to see which choices will matter and which will not have any impact. I think they need to restructure their scripts to at least enough of an extent that we regain some of that magic that maybe some of these choices matter. Mm. Yeah, I think everything, yeah, everything became so rote because they've done this so many times the same way that you you see all the the telegraphs now. Um the only one the the only one of their current ones that I think I'd go back to would be another season of Borderlands uh, just because a lot of that pokes fun at the telltale stuff. Um so like in that, it was subversive and deliberately so that the they will remember this stuff didn't really matter. Because... I would probably um, I would probably play the next uh, Wolf Among Us. They do simply because the atmosphere in that game is so thick, mm-hmm. and I love being in that world. But I would say, in terms of like properties that would make me maybe want to play another one of the, their standard Telltale games, which I think is usually what people mean when they ask the question. Um, I've always said I would be interested in them doing Aliens. Uh, Aliens, as that style of adventure game, is something that, that I don't think has been considered in the industry, and, and I would really like to see that, because now we, we're getting... You know, normally it's it's just action shooters based off Aliens, uh, they tried the horror thing with Alien Isolation, um, but I I think a Telltale game, which gameplay wise took um, took Alien in the logical uh, to its logical conclusion, mm-hmm. in, in with a few tweaks, the best it it could really be in that in that genre to make it good. <laughs> so I sorry, yeah. I'm totally trumping up my words here. But, you know uh, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I watched that Alien Covenant 
uh, the other night, finally. I was, like, putting it off. Um, yeah. Could have been worse, but... Yeah, could now... have been a lot fucking better, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I, I kind of... Like, the aliens have always been my favourite movie creature, but now that they've Lucased it up and, and everything had to have... Like, everything in movies has to be explained now. Like, we can't have any, like, in-movie universe that doesn't have every little detail explained. And mm-hmm. now that a lot of the mystery's been sucked out, like... Like, my interest levels have dropped in, in one of my favourite movie monsters ever. You know what? That's, if If that's bothering you, go and see Dunkirk. A fucking that movie man is the movie equivalent of a from game they don't really focus so much on the characters everything's kind of implied and oh. there's not like a huge bunch of story there but it's like just See, this fucking I... juggernaut that smacks you in the face from the get-go and never lets up and by the end of it you're just worn out in a good way and that's it doesn't it really explain say. anything to you like not all not all the time but mm-hmm. but there's more there, there should be room for more of those the games that like not the games, but but or any form of entertainment, uh, movies, TV, what have you, that that doesn't feel the need to exhaustively explain anything. Yeah. Um, the reason I said games is because I I thought of um, well the reason I said games is because I should because it's a games podcast. <laughs> but um, when I talk about mystery um, in in entertainment and how subsequent things just kind of fucked it, um, Silent Hill Two, one of my favorite, well my favorite game ever. Um, is like holds its card so close to its chest and there's so much allegory and just things being alluded to. Yeah. And I miss that in storytelling. Um, yeah. And it's actually one of the few things I liked about the first Prometheus uh, that some people didn't like was that it did have a lot of things that were mysterious that yeah. Alien Covenant then went ahead and fully explained to us in laborious detail so that there'd be no mystery in the universe at all. So thanks for and that. sometimes... There's no um, explanation you can give that's going to be as satisfying as just having a mystery. Yes. And also, um, there is no replacement for physical things. Mm. CGI, like, used to enhance effects is good. All CGI xenomorphs, I think we've all learned today, are not very good. (laughs) Uh, you know what movie that really reminds me of is The Descent. I don't know if you've ever seen it. The first half yeah, of that movie is possibly the most... The first half is possibly the most terrifying experience of movie ever for me. And then, as soon as you see the creatures, it's like, <laughs> eh, <laughs> eh. I didn't find the creatures. I, I took it from a dust, like, you know, dust Till Dawn situation where it's like, okay, this is a different film now. Yeah. Um, so I was okay with that. Yeah. But... Yeah, so I liked both halves, but but that first half is oh my god! Like it yeah. is so stunningly scary. Yeah. Um, Colette Bennett introduced me to that when I was uh, uh, at for, for Dragon Con a couple of years back. Yeah, um, yeah, great, great film. I, I, I need to rewatch it. I made I made Rachel watch that movie when we first met, and <laughs> when it got to the first time you catch a glimpse of one of them, like in the background, she screamed not once but twice. And burst into tears, and my flatmate no. came like running into the room, <laughs> like "What's happening?" And I was in <laughs> stitches on the floor. <laughs> That's how scary that fucking movie is. Uh, next question we have up is from Matt. Oh, Cox. by the way, so- sorry, Laura. Sorry, Laura. I, we, we I don't want to be rude. I don't. I'm sorry. I apologise for the interruption, <laughs> but I just need to tell Gavin he was absolutely right. 
I watched it last night, and you were absolutely right. The it's probably one of the best openings to a movie I've ever seen. Guardians oh, of the um, Galaxy Two. Al- uh, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, it's so like, good. I did that- not. I I heard the way you were talking about it when you were like leaving hints in in comments and stuff. Yeah. I figured they'd had an ELO song in it. I yeah. wasn't prepared for the whole of Mr. Blue Sky to be played yeah. during one of the most amazing fight scenes ever. It's, it's such yeah. a fantastic, colourful, action-packed, well-shot fight scene to an entire yeah. ELO song. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, um, the whole movie, gorgeous. The whole movie's good. The colour, oh my god. Mm. Yeah. Yes, um, it's so refreshing to see some, like reds and greens in a movie. <laughs> it, now you watch DC try and copy that next with horrible it's, yeah. results. It's, it's well, why off I'm, they go, do it. I'm, I'm happy if they do it. it. It's why I'm excited for Thor Ragnarok is that it looks yeah. like they're taking that universe and putting some colour into it. Yeah, yeah, which would be nice. It's so, okay the, the to have more than is, blue and orange. I keep trying to apologise to Laura for interrupting so much. I almost interrupted her to apologise for interrupting. <laughs> and every and time I, you do, I interrupt your apology. Yeah, I'm going to be, like, dead quiet. So, I, oh, my God, I... Okay, it's fucking fine. I would, I would power through and say something, but I'm being polite, so I just stop talking every time someone talks because I'm, you know, business professional now. I'm being so rude today, and I am, I'm shamed. And yeah, if, if, if you want to stop being so rude, get out of the Patreon game and go get a real job, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, next question is from Matt Cox. And I hope this was worth interrupting all of you to move on to the next question for. <laughs> what is the maximum ama- acceptable amount of time to spend taking a poop at work? Oh, that's what that's what we were. <laughs> that's what we were moving to. Is how long can you get away with taking a shit on company time? That well, this was... this isn't going to help with the parquisitions obsessed with poo thing, is it? No, but again, a a listener asked us. We didn't, you know, bring it up for no reason. A listener wanted to know. I used to pretend I needed shits, like, when I worked at the the cab office. Um, (laughs) I used to work nights, because it was just such a mind-numbing fucking job that I'd just be like, I need to go bathroom, and I'd just get up and go. And I'd sit on the toilet and sing songs from Jesus Christ Superstar, which I was obsessed with at the time. Um, only the songs. Never bothered watching the whole movie front to back. Like, I've just watched all of the songs. Um, so I'd just sit there singing to myself on the toilet. And so I know it'll last, at, like, you can get away with at least, like, a full Jesus Christ Superstar song. Like, pick the longest one. I don't know how long the longest one is. But, you know, do the famous one. Keep it down. No one wants to hear you on the toilet going, Jesus Christ! They'll think you're peculiar. Yeah, so how how long can you get away with? Apparently the length of that famous song from Jesus Christ Superstar. At least. Um, yeah. At least. Further research is needed. I, I think, like, however long you naturally think it's going to take to take a shit, you can Unless probably you're add millennial. two... I think you can add two and a half to three minutes on at least onto however long, like, your top-end estimate of taking a shit is. It depends where you're working as well, doesn't it? I mean... If you're a millennial, you're not going to have the attention span for a poo past what, like three minutes. Well, no, you that's what I mean? you've got. That's what you've got mobile phones for, is so that you can keep yourself entertained while you're either taking a shit or pretending to take a shit. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, you love to see the When I was in HMV, we had a heavy drinking culture, all of us. And there were some mornings where we would be known to disappear for like 15 to 20 minutes into the toilet. Because, you know, when you're extremely hungover, you can, (laughs) you know, it can be hard to to get things (laughs) sorted in there. (laughs) I respect a working environment that respects one's committed drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. That's, yeah. that, that's well, pretty fun. much everyone in there that I worked with was an alcoholic. So we just, you know, we respected each other's hangovers. <laughs> what a what a, a rosy portrait of your hometown you paint. <laughs> Honestly. Oh no, like, that, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a town. It was. It was the the shop, the HMV. <laughs> it, we were also fucking depressed in there from the way we were being treated. We just all became mad alkies. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I, I can believe that. I remember HMV. Um, is it? Is, isn't it all shut down now? I think it was still around, like on I think its last gone legs. Now. I think so they won't. I they won't sue me gone. for slandering their good name. <laughs> HMV stands for His Master's Voice. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it was the dog that liked to listen the to dog. the gramophone, and the gramophone yeah. had his his master's voice on a recording or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just it, it, his master's voice just like reads wrong on a high street. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. That was pretty I much you were their, making their a staff joke, manifesto and then I was like, no, as well. You're right. That is the thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Question from Questing Orc. Name three things that interest you besides video games. I mean, obviously music. <gasps> this is a big no. shock. Shock. Okay, no, should no, we should we put beside music I mean, on Gav's this, list? <laughs> this may shock people, but most of my friends in real life are not gamers. They're all musicians. <laughs> you know, only maybe two of my friends in real life play play video games. So huh. yeah, actually, I'm the same way. I know very few people uh, IRL who play the video games. Same. But, um, I, I don't have many IRL people to play games with. It's probably why I play so many single-player games. Um, yeah. I think for me, if I had to do a list of three things that like I enjoy that are not video games, I enjoy playing roller derby. That's quite a lot of fun. Skate mm. around in a circle. All, all good camaraderie. I like building... Fucking. Uh, I think we all like fucking. Okay, I yeah, we well, but, okay. I, I wasn't gonna. That wasn't gonna be next on the list. But fucking is next on the list. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I have think, to put that. I think down we're as all well. pretty it fond of that one. Hit, hit me up when you're in the UK, just... Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's put Gundam model kits on on the list. There we go. Roller nice. derby, fucking, nice. and Gundam model kits is my list. I guess. <laughs> cool. There I go. think I'm, I'm. I think with the amount of time I spend with music and video games, and then just socializing it doesn't leave me for much else to be honest i don't have any other huge hobbies or interests than because music is a full-time one and and when you do it it's you can't really afford to have another hobby (laughs) you know if you want to be good at it well this Um, is this is why i'm now switching to that nine to five so i can have hobbies if i want (laughs) (laughs) as for me um i mean i'm an avid collector of things i like collecting all sorts of weird nerdy paraphernalia um i mean the the jimquisition lectern has used to have a whole bunch of it on i sort of tidied it up to make it a bit more um symmetrical and and interesting looking rather than a slapdash but i've got like figures and, and statues and things all over the shop um yeah 
I, I would say that at least WWE, if you know, if not wider wrestling, has become now once again for the first time in a long time a, a very avid, keen interest of mine now. Mm-hmm. Um, following that and whatnot, and um, a few, well, no, I can't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> um, I did that on purpose just to sound mysterious and interesting. Uh, I've talked about my, my, you know, pen and paper RPG gaming, that sort of tabletop stuff. I've talked about that in videos and stuff before. So there's another interest of mine, though, uh, due to just going through a lot of hassle and stuff lately. I've not been into, like, been doing that for a a while. But, yeah, I actually could do with getting back into some some of that. Cool. Ah, there we go. Is that a good place for us to wrap up, I reckon? I think so. We we got some really nice chat out of the door. We answered some yeah. lovely questions. And I am ready to go and do a whittle on the toilet. So I think... Don't take too to long. Be, I won't. No, I'm on company time. So yeah. I, I'll... However long it normally takes me to do a whittle, and I'll add two minutes. Uh, I'll use the, the Laura method. Speaking of which... Well, we we sort of know now, but where can people find more of you, Laura? Well, as ever, you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, etc. at Laura K Buzz. That's where I'm going to continue. You know, tweet. But anything I create will get tweeted out on Twitter, probably. But the main place you can find me Monday to Friday, nine to five, Kotaku, Kotaku.co.uk. That that place where this afternoon I posted a thing about Dream Daddy that you should go read. Go read about Dream Daddy on kotaku.co.uk. There are so many and hot daddies to read about. One of them looks like he should be a Castlevania villain, and he's he's pretty cute. Nice. Nice. And, uh, Gav, uh, you do lots of music that we love to hear in our ears all the time, so cheers. Uh, where can people hear it? Miracle of Sound on YouTube, where the newest song is about Jon Snow. Jon Snow! And... It's apparently a pretty good one because it did more views in the first day than my Zelda and Destiny songs did in the first two weeks. Nice. So that one's going pretty good. People like their uh, Game of Thrones fan content. They do. I, I wish the same could be said for parodies of do you people wanna, doing Do you want to know something funny, content. actually? The biggest videos on my channel are not gaming. They're Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. People yeah. love that Thrones. Yeah. Half I Man, Half Man song is the top viewed video on my channel. Doesn't surprise me. Does not yeah. surprise With me. With Geralt a close second, though, I must. We'll we'll have to give that one to Geralt. Um, yeah, good, so yeah, boy, Miracle Geralt. of Sound, Miracle of Sound YouTube, Miracle of Sound Twitter, <laughs> where I'm trying really, really hard not to comment on anything that's going on in the world right now. <laughs> well, bless you. It's heart. not easy, let me tell you. Yeah. Well. Thank you all for listening, as always. Thank you so much for your continued support. I am always grateful and happy for it and thrilled to be doing what it is that I'm doing. And also thank you for the like the general positive response to video reviews just as a product, as a thing I'm doing. Uh, I know people wanted to see them, and people seem to be really liking them from an editing and production standpoint, which is really nice because I have a new idea of what I'm doing. So I think it, I think it suits you. I think video reviews suit your style. Thank you. Thank you. It, yeah. it, it certainly helped with this Hellblade situation. Being yeah. able to have my voice like speak from the heart unscripted and sincere about it. Like clearly some people think I'm the world's best actor, 
the, the the ones who are still convinced the whole thing was a setup for controversy and clickbait. Like, look, listen to my listen to me in like volume or the Charnel House trilogy or you know other games I've been a voice actor in. I ain't that good. I'm I'm passable at best. I'm not that good enough to sound that sincere in video reviews. So if there was a Lego movie about games journalism, the theme song would be everything is clickbait even when it's not. <laughs> Pretty much. Um but we will you gave it a high score to... clickbait. Gave it a low score clickbait. Medium you score clickbait. You can't win for losing. So we're gonna leave it there with that that happy positive vibe and we'll see you next time. Bye. bye. I forgot to, to unmute my mic, so bye now, I guess. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so professional. I know, well, it's so got to have the last word. <laughs>